Hello, and welcome to another episode of Just Keep Writing. A podcast for writers. By writers. To keep you writing. I'm LP. I'm Samim. I'm Shingai. I'm Gabe. And I'm Will. And today, we are doing part two of our discussion about the book, Refuse to Be Done. And the last episode, we ended with our discussion about are we outliners or pansters? And, you know, how how does the idea of discovering the book make you feel? And that's where we ended uh, our last episode. And this week, we are going to talk about um, the overplanning before beginning writing risks blocking opportunities for discovery and surprise. And on page eight, uh, Matt Bell talks about this. He wants to be guided by what appears as he writes. And we also just want to put in a little bit of a note that the book also does leave room for outlining and planning, which we will get to in the second draft. When we cover the second draft in an episode, we'll really talk about that. And we just want to remind all of our listeners to only um, take what is useful to you. There's no such thing as writing absolutes. We want you to use any of these tools that we talk about. Whatever helps you, helps you. What doesn't, doesn't. There is this little note in the book. It says, if you write 500 words a day, five times a week, for a year, you would have 130,000 unpolished words to work on later. So I'm going to go around our uh, secret room that we're in and ask everyone, does the idea of writing 500 words a day seem a lot to you? Does it seem workable? Does it depend on the day? And we will start off with LP. It doesn't seem like a lot because I've definitely written more than that in sittings by hand. I think, uh, but it does scare me a little in that uh, I don't have my Adderall prescription yet. And when that happens, like, it's over for you bitches. <laughs> Word. So, what, you know what, though? Let's talk about that for a minute. When, because, you know, there's a lot of our listeners who are probably neurodivergent. You know, when yeah. those days are coming in without like having, you know, either your medicine or your stressed out day, LP, do you find like uh, just getting um, some words on the page really difficult? And if there are ways that you yourself kind of move beyond that? Um, right now, I am like toggling between five books that like are meant to help me with my writing stuff. Um I've been kind of stuck in a lot of ways, not just writing, I've been stuck in a lot of ways uh, for a bit now. And I think that, and I've never been on Adderall before. This isn't a, um, this isn't a, oh, I need to get my prescription filled. This is a, I need to see a psychiatrist so I can get this thing. Um, But um, between the five of them, I'm finding like the energy and the the motivation to work on things. Um, But you know, some, a lot of times it's just, Shingai, you were there with me this summer. Some days it was just really hard for me to sit down and write. Also to be quiet while writing, also to focus on writing. So, Gabe, what about you? Does 500 words um, a day, five days a week seem impossible? Um, I mean, if you're, ask, you're asking that if it seems impossible, it does. Like literally for me, thinking of 500 words five times a week, it's, like my brain shuts down a bit mm. related to what LP was saying. If it's a day that I didn't take my medication, which is concerta, not 
concerta, not adoro. It's, mm-hmm. I cannot do it. Like I will, if I think 500 words, I will not do it. And literally, this is one of the things that I tried years ago. It didn't work. Oh, just focus on 500. What has been working so well, so, so well for me lately is just time. Mm. And not even, I'm going to work for 30 minutes. No, I'm just going to jot down how much I worked after my session. Like, I'm just going to sit down, work. Okay, I did 10 minutes. I did 50. I did 80. And that has freed up so much of the, like the initial activation energy for writing that I've been writing more this past, like last two months than the previous year put together. So yeah, thinking it about just time. And even if I'm not doing prose, it's so helpful. And like, I'm using a, a phrase that we say in Mexico, which is just do as hours. Put my ass on the chair, do whatever. <laughs> Just tinker on the story. Even if it's not prose, I'm going to look at the outline, look at my ideas, just tinker around. And more often than not, like maybe 80% of days, I'm just going to end up writing prose. So yeah, that's been that's been my process lately. Are you using the Pomodoro technique? No, I, I used it a while ago, but also the, like that stress of, oh, there's time, like that time pressure it's weird. Like for ADHD, that tends to be useful. For but for my particular version, it it's not. So I have to be just relaxed, just not without any sort of pressure. And I just <laughs> finish when I feel like I finished. That that can be three hundred words or two thousand, which is awesome. It's it's kind of freeing. Shingai, what about you? Does 500 words a day, five times a week seem impossible? It doesn't seem impossible, but it also might not be possible. (laughs) Um, It's somewhere in between those two things. Oh, also, I don't like binaries. So (laughs) maybe that's what that is. Um, But I definitely feel like like hearing 500 words a day, I'm like, I I could do that. I should try to do that. I'm like, maybe we should start trying to write 500 words a day for the next month and see how it goes. But I also know similarly to Gabe that sometimes my brain just doesn't work that way. And um, what has worked for me in the past is like a big chunk of time to just do a bunch of writing because my, like Usually when I have a story idea, I'm like stewing or over it or a scene idea if I'm working on a longer project. Um, and then having like a whole afternoon to just write like maybe 2,500 words has worked for me in the past um, instead of trying to do a, a short amount every day. But I'm open to experimenting and I'm open to trying anything and everything once. Awesome. Um, Samim, same question. Does 500 words a day, five times a week seem impossible? I think I would have said yes, like exactly 39 days ago. Um, but I've been doing it for like the last 39 days. Um, and I, and I started smaller. I started with a hundred words and I'm still figuring out why this is working. Um, I don't know if it's like, this is always going to work or if there's like, a particular intersection of like motivation um, that I just want to get this, this novel done with. Um, it, it might just be like, I, I don't, I, I want to, you know, 
before I hit a certain age when I at least have a draft of a novel done. Uh, I'm not sure what it is, but it's working. Um, and I think the reason why, um, once I did a hundred words a day, I realized after a week I was actually doing three to four or 500 words a day. And now the last couple of weeks, it's been like a thousand plus words a day. Um, and I like, if I stay on track, we'll hit 60,000 words tomorrow, which is insane. Cause I've never written more like anywhere near this <laughs> before. Now I will caveat that the story makes no sense. Um, and, and what I'm really excited about, and I think, um, is actually pushing my motivation is, is the second drafting process. Um, I'm really, really excited to get this material down. Um, and I want to get to like between 80 and a hundred thousand words, let it rest for a month. Um, and then come back to it, um, and then feel like here's something I have to like play around with now. Um, and it's, it is daunting to like have to reread and re-outline and, and everything, but I at least feel like I have more material to work with. Um, so now like that I'm further along the process, I think like that's, that's motivating me. So, uh, to answer the question about 500 words, I thought it seemed impossible, um, because I'm usually like, it took me six months to write my first short story that was like 5,000 words. Um, so I'm usually much slower. Um, that said, I was much more careful about the words I was putting down on paper and they're probably higher quality when they got down on paper then. Um, but uh, I think that can do that for the short story. I can't do that with a novel, obviously. So, yeah. Congratulations on six Thank you. That's a huge deal. Yes, that's amazing. Congratulations. Um, And I think all of us have touched upon some, um, you know, solutions to help stay focused and hit goals. But would anyone like to add anything that's really helped them to just hit their writing goals and to like, or attempt writing 500 words a day? Like, what are some solutions you think that maybe would work or have worked in the past? I think for me... One thing was lowering the bar, um, not just like the word count, but just the words that are getting out. Um, but staying in focus of progressing a plot. Um, I think that I had a tendency to like jot down notes or do random stray scenes and dialogue and stuff like that, which I think is still productive in some way. Um, but I think I got to a point where I couldn't keep doing that because like, I wasn't figuring out what the story was by doing that. I was writing cool stuff, but not figuring out the story. Um, and so I think that helped push through. I also think that um, understanding that more than there's going to be more than one technique that I'll need to manage myself and my personality. Um, and like Shanghai was saying, like there are times where having a whole afternoon blocked off in a few hours to write like a big chunk um, is really helpful. Um, but I feel like uh, that can also be intimidating to be like, Hey, I set aside the whole afternoon to do this thing. So now I have to really make use of it. Um, and so when I was just trying to do that and didn't have smaller bites anywhere else, um, I would just sit for two and a half hours and have no idea what to do. Um, whereas now I'm like, okay, if I have 15 minutes, I can get that 100 words down. And that's my thing for the day. If I do more than that, great. But I just need the 15 minutes to the, do that 100 words. Um, and I think that like that just lowered the pressure a little bit. Um, and it also taught me and, and this is now having effects on like other aspects of my life um, in terms of just getting things done. Um, it's also sort of reminded me how much you can get done in five, 10, 15 minutes. Um, because I think I used to be like, if I can't block out six hours of dedicated time every two days, I can never write a novel. Um, 
I'm exaggerating a little bit, but that's sort of how I felt. And I was like, well, I'm a parent. I can't really, I can't really do all that. Um, and this is sort of teaching me to get more done in like the small bits of time that I have. Uh, and I'm now like more productive in other aspects of life and work too. Um, so I don't know how long I can keep this up, but um, yeah. You know, and I think, I know we've discussed this, but I think later on in the episodes, we're actually going to talk to Samim about writing and being a single parent and juggling that. Um, LP. Yeah, I think there's a, there's a conversation to be had about how, and I think it's something about our culture now, uh, partly like our, our dwindling attention spans and like how much content we, we consume in small chunks that we don't necessarily, there's a level of perfectionism that most writers that I know who write at this point in time are dealing with, which like, you know, it has to be this or it has to be that. And like, I'm obviously not um, immune to this. Uh, and I'm aware of how much I'm like, you know, some days I'm just like, oh, I want to write it, but I get scared that if I don't get the words right, then, you know, the, the story will just fall apart. And it's like, well, you have to give yourself space to revise. You have to give yourself space to edit. Um, and I wonder sometimes when we're talking about resistance to writing, how much perfectionism plays, plays a part into that. You know, speaking of that, I can understand that train of thought. And I feel like what's helped me is actually going to school for art and actually drawing and painting and realizing that there's a process to everything and to let go of being perfectionism because it's really like having long-term vision of saying it's okay that it's not perfect. It's okay that you have bad grammar, Will. It's okay that your words make utter sense because you're dyslexic. Um, you know, and then just going back and kind of giving yourself a little bit of grace and learn from it and know that everything is a learning opportunity, which I guess being dyslexic is neurodivergent. Yes. Oh, um, yeah. Um, I always forget. Okay. Shingai, you had your hand up. Yes, I did. First of all, I feel like, one, do you teach art? Because I would love to learn from you. <laughs> uh, actually, yeah, I've been teaching. I've been, um, it's called a supplemental instructor. So as like a higher student, I get to actually go in and assist my professor. And I have to say like, and I even feel this way about the podcast. And this is actually going to interconnect listeners to like what we're talking about. Yeah. Going into those art classes with those drawing one students yeah. has been like liberating and empowering for me to also let go because yeah. I see them tense up and get so nervous. And I had to tell them, I was like, I am totally there where you are but you have to free yourself because this is the moment where you can make mistakes and that yeah. it's only going to make you better. So yeah, I, uh, I also do a lot of tutoring with the uh, drawing and painting one. So I could totally teach you. That's dope. Yeah. I also really like that because I feel like teaching is an act of learning. Like mm -hmm. it shows you so much about how to approach things that you don't know <laughs> mm -hmm. and like kind of speaking to the, the fact that when you're learning something new, you're going to be bad at it. Like there's, that's a given. You're always going to be bad at it. And I think like when you start defining yourself as a writer, you lose that um, 
idea that you're going to be bad at it. And you assume that because I'm a writer, I'm supposed to be good at it all the time. Um, but teaching reminds you like, bro, <laughs> there are times that you're not going to be good at it. And like, it's okay. We're still learning. Like being a writer is constantly learning, constantly growing, constantly looking for ways to be better. That said, what I was going to um, add at the beginning was one of the ways that I have found has helped me been consistent at different points is like having writing sessions with other people um which for me just shows like it always comes back to writing community just like being able to set time aside with someone else or a few other people on zoom to just be like okay we're writing together and then when a concept comes up that you don't know how to word on the page you can just be like okay i'm thinking about this thing can you help me figure out what ex what it is exactly that i want to say and like it's so cool to have another writer's brain just there in community with you as you are writing your story you know i, I want to also you said something that really struck me is that we think because we write and we've like published novel or we've gotten something there that you know we're just going to be perfect at writing and then when we're teaching we realize we're not but I also wonder how much of that is actually rooted in colonialism and where you had these male geniuses who uh, were applauded and that they, I know, quote, air quotations, male geniuses. Because what I'm really finding, which I wish we had this in my writing classes versus my art classes, yeah. I have my art professors who are really accomplished really amazing artists who still feel like, no, I don't know. Uh, I know my fundamentals and I have to keep going over my fundamentals, but I don't know what I'm going to create. And I know it's going to be imperfect, but I keep working it until it is um, completed and completed doesn't mean done. Completed means this is the best I can do at the place that I'm at now, and I need to let it go and out into the world. And I feel like as writers, we need to learn that type of same essence, that we yeah. need to learn that, um, you know, we're not going to be perfect and that art is ever evolving and our artistic um, vision is going to evolve. Mm. Um, Gabe, you had your hand up. Yeah, I mean, I'm thinking like five different things of everything that <laughs> everyone has said. And I think many of these things, I think, come back to the 500 words a day for five days a week in mm -hmm. the sense that like that tip in the book, it suggests that consistency is the thing that makes you finish that art, have that, publi that published thing, have that finished draft or whatever. But it also suggests structure and like, to achieve those things, we need that consistency. But to achieve that, I think the key is to have a certain structure. At yeah. least, I mean, again, what Will said at the, at the beginning, that is for, it's different for everyone. But I found both in my own process and my own friends is that when they find that structure in how they are able to write, like for me, I tried for years and years writing at night because I felt more creative at night. No one was bothering me. My dogs were asleep, all the things. And I just couldn't. It was so hard to write at night. And I recently discovered that writing in the morning, where I thought I could never do it, 
has been so, so useful because I found the structure to make it happen. No one is bothering me, same thing, but I can have that, Mm. like my waking, my routine when I wake, and then I can do the things in the same way every morning. That, I mean, that serves my brain. That's, That's how it works and that's how it helps me. But this, I found it after so many iterations and trying so many brain hacks, so many techniques, so many things. And as Samim said, like, yeah, it's an accumulation of techniques, being able to put those words out. And I think like the main thing that I found with this is that it's part of the journey of being a writer is finding those things, trying out what works, what doesn't, as LP suggested, like the Pondor technique. I tried it, didn't work. I tried other things that worked, that didn't, or that stopped working after a while. So in the end, trying out all those things that you see, all those tips, you might see a thousand and find that four are the ones that work for you for a while. Mm. So finding the things that work for you and putting them in your structure, in like putting them in a structure, I think that's that has been super key for me. And also, I mean, hearkening back to the perfectionism, which would in this book is has been super useful and super helpful to me in the sense of just putting the words out. I stopped literally for a year submitting to my writing group because I didn't feel the words were enough. That I didn't feel, I, I felt like I would waste my friend's time for putting out the words that were not enough. So really this book has many little tips and like mindset shifts to be able to just put that shit out, put them, put the words out of your brain. They'll be better later. LP. Yeah. I think the consistency conversation um, for habit is good. I I think I didn't draw this connection last time I spoke and and that's what I was trying to do Uh, that um, consistency is great. But I think the other part of having a regular practice and uh, whether it's time bound or, um, or, or word count based is that the more time you spend writing, the less precious you become about writing. <laughs> so it's like, if you can let go of your attachment to getting the words right the first time, and like, that's why people do morning pages, right? You do 300 words of something that, that, that you're never going to show anyone or journaling as an aspect of the thing. Like, And I know that for some of us, and I'm speaking for myself, honestly, that like, if I, if I were to do morning pages, my fear would be that I wouldn't have anything, any gas in the tank left to to do any actual writing. Right. So again, your mileage may vary, but I think the idea is that the more writing you do, the more perspective you're going to have on your writing and that knowing that like, you know, this isn't all special and it's not all supposed to be special, especially in the first iterative process or the first iterative pass. I know I've been thinking of my um, my first drafts or any of my drafts really right now um, as my sketch pad. Mm. And my sketch pad is just that. It is to be working out my ideas, to not be precious with it, and to just get those ideas out and practice. You know, some of the sketches come out really good some days. I did one of the Teen Titans the other day, and it looked pretty cool. The other one I did the day before that, it looked really 
terrible. And someone was like, no, it looks good. But I was like, no, perspective's off, son. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, that's how I'm trying to, like, think of it as far as, like, you know, what your first drafts are. Um, Gabe? Something that LP just said, like, struck me in the sense that I found this literally just after writing short stories, which I hadn't done for years, all my years of starting writing my novel. Writing, what helped me with short stories is that it showed me the importance of getting the first draft out so that you realize the things that you have to do later, that you realize that 90% of that finished story is going to be rewriting it, editing it, changing it, moving it around. So, so yeah, and I never figured it out while writing a 170K novel. And I wouldn't for years until I just wrote a couple short stories and realized that, oh shit, it's just, it's not getting the best words out on the first try. It's not even the second or third. So, so yeah, that, that really struck. Samim? Yeah, I mean, one, just like plus one to that, I think, um, seeing, I think going through that cycle with short stories really helped me understand the process much better. Um, and also to what LP was saying, I think, uh, having like squeezed in as many words as possible, I feel like they're less precious now. Um, and not to say like, I don't value, value the words that I'm writing, but, um, I think the ideas that I've come across, even if they're not fully flushed and in place the way they would need to be, um, I've come up with ideas that I wouldn't have come up with if I wasn't like kind of like consistently pushing myself a little bit on this. Um, and that's made me feel like, oh, the random idea I had five years ago that I'm building off of is cool, but I can come up with more and it's okay. Um, I think the other thing I'm learning through this process is I'm understanding why I'm a pantser. Um, and, and I can see like, if I went through this process of writing a novel from scratch in this method three or four times, I think I would start to, and and then did the reversion process for the second and third draft. I think each time I did that, I would probably know before I started what I need to have set and what I don't need to have set and would know what structure I needed to give myself ahead of time. And I experienced that with short stories as well, where I kind of knew the first time was like purely, it was like jumping in and exploring. But the next time I went, I was like, oh, I know a couple of different types of things I want to experiment with the structure. um, And I knew ahead of time what to do. Um, And so I'm really just enjoying like learning that, that about myself as I go along. Yeah. Like you can hear that tip a thousand times, but until you do it yourself, it's like really, you're never going to internalize it. So, yeah. And I think remember, um, and you know, um, they say it in the book, remember that even just a sentence a day keeps you in the story. 15 mm. minutes a day gets words down, and that is the most important thing to just keep writing. Um, another trick that they talked about in the book is to convince yourself that you're writing a novel is to attach a working title to the manuscript ASAP. So I'm going to ask everyone, when does the title come to you? LP, your hands are up. We're waving them in the air. So go ahead. When does the title come? I'm the title king. <laughs> like I come up with titles really quickly, really easily, and it works really well. I have one, one thing that I'm working on that doesn't have a title yet, but I know from past experience that I'm going to come with, if I don't have a title, by the time I get to the end, I'll come up with the title and it'll be from the words that get written. Like, yeah, title's great. Love, put that title in. Shingai. Yeah, oh, yeah, God. Perfect timing. Um, I 
have had many working titles on my novel project. <laughs> and it's always like, oh, this is a really cool concept. And then I'm like, no, it sounds too cliche or too cheesy or whatever. Um, I finally have a title that I really like. Um, but I'm also waiting for beta readers to read it and then let me know. That said, my titles tend to be sentences that are in continuation. And I have gotten feedback even for, and this is how to stay alive. Like the first round of edits, um, my professor who was looking at it was like, could do better with the title. <laughs> and I was like, but I really like this title. Um, and thankfully my publisher liked it as well. So I don't know. Titles are, are interesting. I just think that it can be anything that you want it to be. Obviously people like it to be sellable. Um, but I also like it to be something that could mean many things. Shinga, do you keep all the titles? Like write them down somewhere? Yeah. Not really. I keep them in my neurodivergent brain that probably forgets some of them as I go along. Baby, write them. <laughs> Those might be- I know. <laughs> I've never thought to write them down. <laughs> You're right. I do have, like, I have a couple of the working titles in mind for, for for the novel. For the longest time, it was called the Black Prophetics novel, just because that was a concept. Mm-hmm. But it didn't have an actual, like, working title that made sense. That's a working title. What about yeah. you, Samim? Does the title help you? Um, like, or when does the title come in for your stories? I have so many, um, so many projects that are just titles that I like and have not written anything else but the title. So this is, I usually have the opposite problem. Um, that's incredible. I, I had, I've had, um, I've had a story, my story, Airbody. Airbody was just a working title. I didn't, I didn't like that. I thought it was cheesy. Um, but by the time I had spent so much time with it, I was like, yeah, I'm just going to leave it. Like, um, and, and I have a similar thing with character names sometimes where I'm like, I don't know what to name this character. I'm going to put a placeholder in and it just it sticks. Um, and I don't get any complaints about it. So uh, I think those are two things though, that like, uh, I could, I could rabbit hole on really quickly and I've learned to just pick something and come back to it later and see how I feel with it. Otherwise, like, I can spend hours and hours researching like a really, really meaningful layered name um, or, or book title and never write the story uh, or the character. So, What about you, Gabe? When does the title come in? Um, my first experience with the title was with my main novel thingy, which was the title was Night Scene for five years because that was the first scene that I wrote and I just kept using that word file. But I was then forced to put a title on it for a submission for a workshop. Mm. And I mean, the title is kind of cheesy, but as Samim said, like it's just stuck after all this time. And I like it. And as the tip said in the, like in the book of putting not just the title, but your name as the author yeah. and like the word count, like for the cover, for the submission for a short story, like you have your address, the the amount of words, your name, and all those things. And it has made such a difference of seeing that first page because I'm not a professional writer yet, a big yet, but it makes me feel like one. It makes, it helps me break that little energy barrier 
to get writing. So it's been it's been super useful. And for my latest couple short stories, the title came first. And from the title, as the meme said, like that that created the story. I mean, I had the idea for the story, but then I put the title and like, like, yeah, this thing. And for one, it's like the theme of the story. But mostly what has helped me is just putting it on that first page and looking like a professional writer. Yeah. Like the working title could work as a guide for the idea of the novel. And in the book, they give us an, an example of Annihilation by Jeff Vandermeer. Annihilation serves as a plot function, appearing in the novel as a crucial piece of weaponized language. So the next question is, can you think of titles that really evoke a story that you have written, writing, or a book that you've loved? I can name one if no one else wants to go yet. Yes, please. Shingai, you go first. After you. (laughs) Oh, I mean... The book that really I love, I mean, I love this book. I've talked about it on the podcast. We've done a book club out of it. Um, a Six of Crows uh, from Lee Bardugo. I just love the title. I feel like it really evokes uh, something really strong um, mm. for me. And th- it just sticks with me so much. So that's one title. But go ahead, Shungai. Um, I was going to say the title of a story that I wrote actually that I loved, which is to exhale sky. <laughs> um, I just, I really liked the title and I, I loved that it like was very much in line with the character's ability to breathe and inhale and exhale things. Yeah. That is such a good title. Thank you. I mean, um, I mean, I feel like if I sat, I would think of, like a ton, but the first one that came to mind was a memory called empire. Um, for some reason, I just like, I always liked saying that, um, and thinking about what it meant. Um, and it was enough to like make me pick up the book without knowing too much about it. Um, LP. Um, three books that wrecked me. And part of the reason that they wrecked me is because while reading them, I keep thinking about the title, right? So the space between worlds by Micaiah Johnson, also our book of the week at some point uh no gods no monsters by cadwell turnbull which i didn't know the slogan no gods no masters until after i started reading the book and i was like oh this is amazing and um how high we go in the dark by sequoia nagamatu i was just like fuck this is i mean another title that i really love is um adam silvera's they both die at the end because while it does give you um I mean, they both die at the end. It's not like a thing. It's about the how they do it. And like, you know, the, what happens between there. And even though, you know, it's coming, you keep reading the book and you're like, no, it's not going to happen. Uh, Shanghai. Um, another title that I love is for a work that is not yet out, but LP's The Black Between Stars. It's <laughs> a gorgeous title. <laughs> Oh, God. <laughs> Don't perceive me. <laughs> oh, I love it. Um, so I guess it's important to, to remember that you don't have to know all the meanings and uses of your title from the beginning of the process. But having a title by the start, you have a chance to discover more of the possibilities that exist as you write. Having a title also makes the writing the novel more tangible even if you only know the title. 
Let's talk about, sorry, I'm reading the chat, everyone. It was distracting. Um, <laughs> another way that you can um, also help is widen your page margins. There's a section under that in the book. Expand your page margin to two inches instead of the standard one. This will reduce the text to a single page, potentially making it easier to concentrate on what's there, making it more book-ish. When you print it out, it will also allow plenty of space in the margins to make notes for the story ideas, additions of new text, and other notes to yourself. Does this idea appeal to you when creating? I'm asking all of you who would like to go first. Gabe. Um, I will push yeah. back a bit. No, not really push back. In it putting like the margins and making it look book like for my first draft doesn't work at all. Like on the contrary, because it sort of m makes it that those words have to count more. Like it gives me the, like the first page. Yeah. It makes me feel like a pro, but having the whole format of it, it feels wrong sort of to have it be bad in that format. So for when I'm first drafting, it's even like the default from Microsoft Word and even no spacing, like it looks crappy. But it, I mean, it goes to the tone of writing crappy words at the start. But when I do my, even my first editing pass to submit to my writing group or for myself or whatever, I do that shift into the, like to the format of the book and it helps a ton for some reason because brains are brains. Shungai, you had, some, uh, you had something to add, right? I did, but Samim can go first. Okay, sure. Okay, <laughs> okay I was just going to say that um, Samim said no for the least listeners. I'm not just speaking over him. Um, I definitely feel like what Gabe said was correct during the first draft. I feel like changing the font or the margins of the page is lying to myself <laughs> about how many words I'm getting on the page. And I'm just, um, I don't know. I feel like I'm cheating and I, I kind of just want to know how much work I'm actually getting done, even if it's very little. Um, and probably during the revision and like changing it for other folks, that that's the time to make that type of change. I also, my brain is not good with details. So I've never thought about like changing the margins or like the spacing or the whatever. Um, I just write. <laughs> um, who wants to go? LP? I think the three of us are actually in the same line. It's just like, oh, I think this is a, this is a change that makes more sense once you've gotten to the point where you're rereading the draft. For, for me, I statements. I think this will make more sense for me when, when I'm rereading the draft. The the part about uh, putting a, a working title in and, you know, putting your header and footer in and a page for epigraphs, all that stuff makes sense now. I was like, okay, cool. We're building to the thing. But I don't know. that The margins thing does make it seem like, okay, we're, we're, we're getting ready for to show this to people. And, like, that's the kind of pressure I don't want or need. Or maybe it works and I should try it. Um, I've actually done this and it does work for me. And I, and again, I hate, I know I keep saying this all through this episode, but it's honestly because of art, because we do something called a study. And so when I'm building a painting, it will be, um, <laughs> for the dyslexic one. Yeah. Um, 
when we do a painting and we're creating the concept for the painting, there's the initial drawing of the painting that you just kind of want to space things out and look at the, the overall. And then there's something called a color study. And a color study can be of the whole entire concept of the painting or the color study could just be part of an area that you're really trying to um, see, make sure that the uh, weight, the plasticity of the colors are coming up properly. So that's how I kind of think of it by doing the margin uh, margin trick for um, the book, because it's like um, I'm blowing something up. And while I might not feel as productive, you know, or maybe I'm not as productive, it does allow me for certain scenes to be like, okay, I'm just going to concentrate on this and it will just let me flow from there. And then, you know, I've done it. And then sometimes I'm like, all right, I'm ready to see like where I'm at actually and just go from there. So I think it's just kind of, um, it ebbs and flows of how I use it. I never do it for the whole entire thing. I'll do it for in the beginning or certain sections, or if something's giving me like a really hard time, I'll try it that way. Uh, Shungai, you wanted to add anything? Oh, I wasn't sure if your hand was up. Oh yeah. Uh, go ahead. Samin. Yeah, I don't, I don't think it would work for me, uh, at least the way I'm operating right now. Um, and that's because I'm like on multiple non like, computer device or not like laptop or desktop like I'm, I'm working a lot on my phone and my ipad um and this might be a little bit of a tangent but one of the reasons so a couple of years i got into scrivener i love scrivener but one of the reasons why i got off of it is because i needed something that was way more like multi-device friendly um and i ended up just using microsoft word um with all of its problems i think it's still for me for drafting and being able to access it from anywhere um has just made it way easier. Um, and I didn't realize this until I was like, you know, like 20, 30,000 words in. Um, but using it has also been helpful, both the iPad and the iPhone. Like I got I got a foldable keyboard to keep in my car. Like if I ever have like an extra half an hour before I'm picking up my daughter or something like that, um, I break it out and just like balance my phone on the steering wheel um, and get some words in. Um, and the reason why it's working, I wouldn't have thought, I thought my phone would be super distracting, but I think the reason why it's working is it's really hard to edit on these devices, um, especially a longer work. Um, whereas if I'm on my laptop, I will spend all the time just fixating on some random word or sentence structure or the way the paragraphs are aligned and stuff like that. Um, whereas when I'm on my phone or my iPad, it's a huge pain. Like I actually don't want Microsoft to make this easier at any point because um, I, it actually helps me focus and not worry about editing too much. And, and I'll break out like my laptop when I'm in the editing and like the second draft phase. Um, and so because I'm like working on these like mobile devices, I don't think the margins would help very much. I, what, what is helpful though sometimes is the fact that they're, they're in like reader mode. Um, and so the text will be bigger and I can focus on smaller sets of text at a time. Um, and so it also just does feel less daunting um, to see that much text on the page. So I guess now that I'm coming back around, I can understand um, why someone would want to do it, just sort of like lower the amount that you're being like stimulated with at once. Um, and so I think the same effect is working for me just in a different way. I would say too, like um, I've learned not to be uh, precious with what I'm using to write. <clears throat> so a lot of my writing actually gets done on the subway, on my phone. And then I add it into my Word document or uh, like I'm, I'm finishing up my play. So I'll 
I created a Google Doc for that. I write it on the subway and then I write it when, you know, like I'm in between clients or I'm on set and we have downtime. Um, I think for me, what's really helped just get the words out is not being precious on when I do it and where I do it. And I really learned that from listening to Daniel Jose Older because he wrote a lot of his novels while he was a medic an ER. And I see Gabe smiling. Would you like to add something? No, I'm laughing at the chat. <laughs> oh, okay. I wasn't sure. Anyone have anything else to really, you know, talk about, you know, about titles, about, you know, um, what works and what doesn't uh, for your writing, for everything we covered tonight? Any closing thoughts? Super excited about the next section because I really have things to talk about there. Okay, <laughs> great. Okay, great. Well, I think this, yeah, go ahead, Gabe. I mean, just going back to the conversation about uh, techniques and things to try out, just like this is a call for listeners who are wanting to write or already writers mm. to keep trying to like all those techniques and ideas and, and brain hacks, all those things, because as I said, it's part of a journey and you will eventually figure it out. You will figure out, well, what gets you out of a writer's block, what gets you writing, what gets you motivated. So just try all the things. It sometimes it's super frustrating, but other times it's super fun. So you will figure it out. So just keep trying all the things out. Shanghai. Um yeah, and to emphasize Gabe's point, also writing partners and bringing back to community and like have as many writing partners as possible. We're all trying to figure it out which means that there is probably someone who's trying to figure it out the same way that you're trying to figure it out. So look for those people and try to collaborate, try to like work together in the morning. If that works for you or work together in the evening, or if that works for you or like text each other on your commutes back from work or whatever. Um, it's really helpful to have other people who are invested in that journey with you. A hundred percent. Samim. Yeah. I mean, I agree with, with that totally, I think having that sort of support community is super, super important. Um, and I think sort of somewhat related to that, I think um, one thing that I've found kept me from writing for a while and, and still does is anxiety. Um, it's just like a worry about what I put out is not going to be the right thing. Um, and I think we've talked about that a little bit on previous episodes, but I think just like that anxiety leads to a lot of indecision. Um, and I think taking the pressure off um, and knowing that like the decisions you make are not one-way doors, you can rewrite things, you can revise things, you can throw whole scenes out, um, but you still sort of learn through that process of testing it and experimenting and being like, I don't know what the plot is, but I kind of want to see what happens if I make these three characters have a chat in some random corner of the world that I'm building. Um, and maybe it goes nowhere. Um, maybe it's not a scene in the story, but I've learned something about the characters and I know what to do from there. Um, and so I think just like when I, when I said lowering the bar before, I think I meant like also lowering the bar on like the stakes for a second. Um, and obviously when you're, when you're plotting, you want high stakes here and there, but I think when you're writing and just trying to get the words out, um, having lower stakes really helps and sort of taking baby steps to sort of building up to higher stakes is, is where you need to go. At least that's worked for me so far. Nice. Um, LP. Yeah. Also, just want to, as always, reiterate that craft books are 
uh, amazing and they are horrible all at the same time. Because what they are is uh, a writer telling you what works for them. And it's really, it's impossible to know what's going to work for you without trying. So try the things that we're talking about, but also like be ready to throw them out and make up your own and share them with people because, you know, you know, if you can make up something of your own, then you can have your own craft book. And then we can all try and tell you what we hate about it or what we love about it. It'll be great. Yeah. Gabe? Um, just want to add something about uh, what Shingai said uh, about the community and what I found most of having writing groups or a critique partner and what's super hyper useful is that eventually they will learn your writing. They will be familiar enough with your writing that even if you send them your first crappy shitty draft and that's what you need to send them, they will give you the feedback that you need. Because now, now they know what, I mean, after submissions and after talking and all the things, they will, like their feedback won't be about the words themselves, the grammar, the crappy structure, like all those things, those are meaningless, like literally meaningless. And if you're sharing it with people that understand, or even if they don't yet understand your writing, that's the main thing about the feedback. It's the essence of the thing, what you're trying to do. And that's what you need to figure out with those words. So yeah, having a writing group, a critique partner is just, it's invaluable. It's literally the thing that has improved my writing the most. And I mean, literally my life. So yeah. Well, I also just want to speak to what Gabe said about, because Gabe's in my writing group and I think they've learned for me personally, is like when my grammar or my sentence structure makes no sense, they understand what I was trying to say. And they'll put in little notes, but more importantly, they actually understand the feeling and emotion. And if I express it there, and then I just need to finish like sentence structure, because I mean, even in our conversations on discord, because sometimes my dyslexia is so bad, that like, none of my words will come out right. And every, and like, there's no way that it was an autocorrect. Like it was literally like, this is what my brain saw the words say. So I think that's also a power of being with people who kind of get how your brain works, but also can help you pull out your, your essence of your story and also work with you to get there. And I think that's really important. And that's why community is so important. And it also is amazing to me when I hear writers don't have a community, because I also feel like this is another thing art schools taught me is that having people around you who are artists instantly makes you a better artist because it, it, it allows you to just observe and learn from other people and, and to feel a sense of, okay, I'm not the only one who's struggling with this, but look at what they're doing and that way you can learn. So that's why I would really encourage everyone to, if it works for you, really try to seek out people who, you know, embrace you flaws and all when it comes to your writing and pushes you to be better. Amen. Amen. And this has been Just Keep Writing, a podcast for writers, by writers, to keep you writing. You can find us at justkeepwriting.org. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Feel free to reach out to any of us on our social medias, and please jump in our Just Keep Writing Discord channel. Links to all of that is in the show notes. Lastly, please support our show by going to patreon.com slash justkeepwriting. 
We offer daily writing prompts, early access to podcast episodes, and much more. Thanks for listening, and just keep writing.